Philippians chapter 2. I'm going to read a few verses from Philippians chapter 2. And uh, there are three great manifestations of the presence of God in this chapter, the whole of chapter 2. We're going to read a section from it and I'll refer to other parts. Three great manifestations of the presence of God. Let's read verse 12 to 16. Therefore, my beloved, as you have always obeyed, so now, not only as in my presence, but much more in my absence, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling, for it is God who works in you both to will and to work for his good pleasure. Do all things without grumbling or questioning, that you may be blameless and innocent children of God without blemish in the midst of a crooked and twisted generation among whom you shine as lights in the world. Or the NIV says lights in the universe. Time is the universal language of love. Whatever your love language is, and some experts tell us at least five love languages, meaning the way that you prefer to give love, express love, and receive love can be in lots of, lots of different ways. Giving, affirming, all kinds of things. But nearly everybody appreciates the gift of someone else's time. In fact, psychologists tell us that as children grow up, love for them is spelt T-I-M-E. You can give your kids the most expensive Christmas presents. You can buy them Lamborghinis before they are three years of age, Gabriel Chan, uh, or whatever else. But the most precious gift a parent can give the child is their attention, their presence, their undivided attention. Down through the years, I've, I've met uh, a number of remarkable people, and they're not always been famous people, but maybe ordinary, not famous, but still remarkable. When I think about what is it that makes them absolutely remarkable, it is this, that when you are with them, they are so present with you that you feel, at that moment, you are the most important person in the world to them. It's a gift to be wholly present. Now, the greatest gift God can ever give us is himself. His presence. Of course, we're thinking about the presence of God, Emmanuel, God with us. We call it the incarnation, when the Word was made flesh, made flesh, carnate amongst us. And uh, if you have a look at uh, those opening verses, if you have your Bible, and see the opening verses 5 to 11, it's describing this first and indeed the greatest manifestation of God's presence, that is God being manifested in this planet, in the flesh, through his Son. The Bible says in many ways God manifested his presence. There's the angel of the Lord. 
There's the Shekinah glory of God. There's the presence of God in the tabernacle and in the temple. There are visions, revelations, God himself showing up in the burning bush, the great I am, that I am, manifesting himself in so many ways, God speaking to us in so many ways through the prophets, but in these last days, he's manifested himself and spoken to us through his son, in the flesh, personal. That's not the substance of our message, but it's very important to notice in verses 5 to 11, the Emmanuel God with us message. It talks about the pre-existence of Christ. The one who always existed with the Father in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God. Here, the one who was always with God, the one who was in the past in the form of God, always in the form of God, in other words, pre-existing, that one emptied himself of every outward show and display of the glory of God and humbled himself, became flesh, and in the form of flesh, he, he, he actually went further than that, became a servant, showing his obedience unto death, even death on a cross. And then it goes on to talk about the exaltation, wherefore God has highly exalted him, and then talks about the future manifestation of his kingdom when it says, every knee shall bow and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. That day is going to happen. And I have a feeling, a sad feeling, that that day will be an embarrassment for many, many believers. I don't want to be negative on this point, but... I was thinking, how much in my own life does not match up with the glory of the Lordship of Jesus Christ? It doesn't mean to say you have to be perfect, but your trajectory, your orientation, your motivation, your direction must be totally directed in the presence of Christ to the Lordship of Jesus, and that is influencing everything about you. Not that you have perfectly succeeded in every area of your life to be like Christ, to be in 100% conformity with the Spirit of Christ, with the mind of God, and with the revelation that's in Him. No, 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 we are progressing. And the greatest testimony we can have is not that I've arrived, but I'm on the way. I'm going in the right direction. But for many of us, there are areas that we ought to sort out now. Let's sort them out. Let's sort them out before the new year. Let's sort them out before the stroke of midnight, you know, in, on, on, January, on December the 31st, because there might be a whole lot of other stuff going on. Let's be ready to present the Lordship of Jesus Christ. Now, this is the first presence that I'm speaking about from this passage and it is the most important one. Because if God had not come in the person of Christ, we would know nothing about this Christmas message or this Christmas story. And, and it's, it's astonishing how this message, which is the heart of our faith, is the unique message of Christianity. And it, 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 is, it is so astonishing. And the, the problem is, is that we... We kind of accept it, I don't know, let me not confuse you, but we accept it too easily. Too easily. We should say, what? God came? Now, we know that it's right to say he came, Emmanuel, God with us, but we should say, what? Is that really true? It's amazing that God himself will come to this planet and do all of that, which was the only way to restore us to himself. 
because there are many people that find it difficult to understand that God would do this, God could do this, but it's, it is the, it's the unique part of our message. Our gospel message is unique, but this is the unique part, really unique part. And we must stand up for who we are, what we believe. And some say, well, no, 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 all this was invented. <laughs> Excuse me, stop right there. In invented by whom? Oh, well, the people who wrote the Bible. Oh, really? Invented. When? Well, when they wrote the Bible. Ah, uh, ah, uh, ah, uh, ah, uh, ah. Uh. No, this testimony predates the book of Philippians. Do you know what it was? See, okay, let's go back very brief briefly. In the very early days, Nothing was written down about Jesus in the very early days. People remembered what he said, and they passed it on. Jesus said this, his stories were orally transmitted. But very soon, before the Gospels were written, before any New Testament book was written, and, and the book started to be written just a few years, 10, 20, 30 years at the most, after Jesus, all right, and everything was written probably by the AD 70, so it was a very short window for the writing, but up until that time, not only did they have the stories and the accounts of eyewitnesses, but they had faith statements. They had creedal statements. We had a great apologist, Gary Habermas. Go back and look in the record there online. Gary Habermas spoke about identifying creeds in the New Testament that predated the New Testament. And these creeds were fully formed, and here is one of them. So the Apostle Paul is drawing from this, maybe even a Christian hymn, which was people who were talking about who Jesus was, and, and the apostles used this in their writings. And you find in the Bible many, many of these, which means that those statements about who Jesus was what he came to do, his identity, his mission, the death, the resurrection, and, and the second coming of Jesus, all those things were firmly believed within months, sorry, within months of the resurrection. Far too early for these stories to be invented this was the faith that came through the eyewitnesses who saw Jesus Christ risen from the dead. And when he was risen from the dead, they said, well, he is everything he said he was. No, this faith came by revelation based on the historical facts of the crucifixion, resurrection of Jesus Christ. No other religious figure in history has ever even claimed that, let alone demonstrated it to be true. Wow, this Christmas story is not just all the traditional elements which we see, which are not in the Bible, baubles, lights, trees, blah, 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 Christmas pudding. There was no Christmas pud on that first Christmas day. And some of you uh, will say, praise God for that. But anyway, no, uh, none of these traditions, all that came much, much later. But the heart of the message, the birth of Jesus, who he was, as we were singing, the great I am, yeah, he came, praise God. The first, big, greatest, in fact, manifestation of God's presence, God in the person of Jesus Christ. But where I began to read takes me just a little bit more closer to the message I want to deliver you today. Did you notice, and I emphasized it when I read, Paul says in verse 12, therefore my beloved, as you have always obeyed, so now, not only as in my presence, but much more in my absence, 
work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. So what's happening here? Paul speaks about his presence and obeying the word that came from his mouth. Now, I would never ask you or expect you to obey the word coming from my mouth or from Colin Dye. But I would expect you and myself to obey the word of God when I bring the word of God. You get me? So if it's a word of Colin Dye, it might be a good opinion. It might be worth following here and there. But when it comes to the facts of life, universe, and everything else, really, you don't listen to the opinions of Colin Dye. You listen to the opinion of, or not the opinion, the revelation of God's word. But what happened before the scriptures were written? They couldn't, Paul couldn't say, oh, please turn to the book of Philippians chapter 2. Oops, I haven't written it yet. All right? The Bible was in the process of being written. So very often, it was the living presence of the apostle that was the bridge between Christ alive on this planet and the written scriptures which were to follow. A very important bridge. So when Paul says, now you obeyed, it's not just you listen to your pastor. It's you have obeyed the revelation of Christ that is infallibly come from my lips. Hear me and hear me well. Nobody since the death of the apostles has had the right to speak like that again. The scriptures is the only infallible word today. But before the scriptures were written, the apostles had an authority and carried a presence which was the direct representation of Jesus himself. And that's very, very important. You recall Jesus never wrote anything. He might have written in the sand here and there. We don't know Jesus wrote anything. But he commissioned his apostles and that circle of early disciples and eyewitnesses to tell the story. And he was with them, giving them guidance. And so that what they wrote, what they recorded, was trustworthy and sound and on the level of Scripture. But before the Scriptures were there and complete, all of those early believers depended on apostolic presence. So Paul now is beginning to say, something is going to happen to you. He says, now, of course, when I was with you, and you could hear me directly, you, you followed and you obeyed, but you know what? Now you did it when I was there in my apostolic presence. You have to learn that you follow this in the apostolic absence. What does that mean? Just as Jesus was saying, hey guys, I'm not going to be around here forever. In fact, I'm going to my father. Where I'm going, you cannot follow but later on, but not now. But I'm going to speak to you and speak through you. Everything's going to be brought back to your remembrance so you will be able to carry this message on and I'm sending the Holy Spirit. So it's the Word and the Spirit that's operating in the apostles and saying, by the way, my absence, you must get ready for this because Paul's not going to live forever. And after Paul, there's going to be scriptures, but he says, I want to commit you into the hands of the presence of the God of the Bible, and his name is Mr. Holy Spirit. So he says, now in my presence you obeyed. Sorry, in my presence you obeyed. 
now much more in my absence. And I don't know how much we could really enter in because we, 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 we were born into this long after the apostles. We never met Paul. Would you like to have met Paul? We never met Paul. We never met Peter. We never met people who were eyewitnesses of Jesus. And, and how, do we, how can we be sure that we have their authentic message? And how can we be as excited about the facts of Jesus, the gospel story, the Christmas story, the Easter story, how can we be as excited about it today as they were back then who lived in that time of eyewitness account and living memory? Living memory. I look back on my short life and I can talk about people and talk to people who have living memory of some of the great generals of our faith. I've met people who were present in this church when Smith Wigglesworth, one of the great miracle-working Pentecostal pioneers, ministered in this church. He could tell stories about what happened. I've got other friends who were there, knew Wigglesworth in the latter part of his life. He died in his 80s, and he used to be hauled up throughout all of the winter in his elderly years, and then minister at the Preston Convention, the Pentecostal Convention, there in Preston in Lancashire, and tell stories. Here's a story directly from an eyewitness. It's quite exciting. Just imagine, try and get the vividness. I will not be able to put on a Yorkshire accent. I'll not be able to put on the Yorkshire bluntness. bluntness. I can't do that, so let's just do it in this poor southern accent. But here we go. If you want a blessing, put one hand up. I said put one hand up. Now, he was very strict, so come on. Come on now, go with the flow. If you want a blessing, put one hand up. If you want a double blessing, put the other hand up. That's how we'd start meetings. And <laughs> so that's, that, I didn't know that. I wouldn't know that unless somebody told me. It's not, it's not even written anywhere that I know. It's eyewitness testimony. And uh, so the exciting thing is, is that when we follow apostolic witness and testimony in the scripture, even in the absence of the apostles and the absence of the physical presence of Jesus, we have the living word of God and we also have the presence of the Holy Spirit. So the main part of this that I want to say, I want to leave you with this last section here. The main thing I want to leave you with this is this. I've spoken about the manifestations of the presence of God, the incarnation. Now that could be a whole message or a whole series of messages but I, I, I'm just putting everything in. Tonight we have a, a summary message, an epilogue for, for the concert, and this Christmas season is, is and the flavor is, is, is different, of course, and uh, there's plenty of time if you want me to come back and teach on all of this, or I'll give you a couple of dozen books to read, a dozen of which I've written myself. Anyway, but that's a very important thing, and we rejoice. That's the heart of Christmas, and it will come out again and again before the end of the Christmas season. But it's also the apostolic presence. That's Christ's word, Christ's revelation revealed. And the apostolic presence was as a substitute the, uh, uh, for, for Christ's presence on this earth. But those apostles have died, and we have the scripture now, and the Holy Spirit is with all of us. We all have the word of God. We all have the spirit of God. Therefore, we speak about this third, and for my message today, 
final manifestation of Christ's presence. It is Christians present in the world under the anointing of the Holy Spirit. Now, when you reflect on this, of course, the biggest, biggest, most amazing miracle was God would come to this planet and live for 30, 33 years, die on the cross, and Jesus then go back to his Father in heaven, send his Spirit, first of all, that the apostles now may take up the ministry of Christ and continue to bring revelation in the name of Jesus so that the Scripture is complete and perform signs and wonders and miracles and set the patterns for the future. Very important period, the apostolic age, but that apostolic age came to the end. Are we undone? No, we are released into the world to shine as lights for Jesus. And so where does that leave us today? Wow. Just as Jesus represented God's presence in the world and the apostles represented the living Christ, now we as the body of Christ represent him to the wider world. The wider world. Now, if you cast your eyes at the beginning of chapter 2, Paul actually begins with his teaching on church unity and fellowship. It's not a Bible study, so I won't read it all out, but you can do it later, Philippians 2, verses 2 to 4. He talks about encouragement. He talks about comfort. talks about love. talks about sharing in the Spirit. He talks about affection and sympathy and joy and unity and, 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 and so on. He talks about not being selfish but being other-orientated. And he is describing all the qualities and characteristics of Christ which have been imparted to us as believers that we might build a kind of community which is revelation community, attractional community, a missional community, the kind of community that expresses the quality of Christ in his church. Now you know that I've been uh, developing new projects and one of them is a social media project in Brazil to reach the millennial generation. I'm trying to learn Portuguese to do it but I have translators in the meantime. One of the things that I've done extensively several times in this year, building documentaries, television programs, and interviewing a host of young people, letting them speak freely to the camera, not correcting them at any point, just hearing from them. And many of them say something like this, we love Jesus, but what a mess has the Christians made of it all. We love Jesus, but we can't stand the church. Now, I'm glad nobody said amen out loud. But let's just, let's just be a little bit sneaky here for a bit because probably every one of us here, including yours truly, would have a tiny bit of sympathy with that statement because we know full and well that the church of Jesus Christ is flawed and, and sometimes some of the biggest hurts that happen, happen in church context in our lives. Yeah? But I mean, let, 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 I don't want to dwell on it, but the fact is, is that we know that the community lets us down sometimes. All right? 
And, and it, often it comes and I heard somebody say, where is the love in this church? I say, well, I can tell you where it's not. It's certainly not in your heart. Ooh. It's very easy to be critical. But the point is, is that I'm trying to win them and to say, do you know what? If you think that there's something the matter with the way we express Christ together in community, then let's, let's, let's change it. Let's do something. And I, I, I think this is one of the greatest services we could do for the Church of Jesus Christ in our generation. And that is to look at the quality of our corporate life. To realize we are corporate carriers of the glory of God and the presence of God and the light of Jesus Christ. That's why, and I hope by the end of the year now, you've sewn up and got settled all your cell growth vision for 2017. And you've got, I think, minutes left before the clock ticks into 2018 where we start a whole new set. This is not just a way of regulating people and making more meetings for you. This is a call from the Holy Spirit to be people of the presence. People who love God. People who let the Holy Spirit so settle on us, so change us, that we can be God carriers into the community. That's his introduction. Then he talks about the presence of Christ in the, in the incarnation and talks about the apostolic role in carrying the presence of Christ. But his goal is to talk about you and me carrying the presence of Christ right out there into the world. Can I say it again? Because I think we need an amen there. Right into the world. Thank you, thank you, thank you. All right, okay, okay. Now, we don't have a lot of time. We're going to finish very soon, and we're going to have time, time for prayer, and extended time for prayer and ministry. I'm glad that God spoke to us a month or so before December, that he was getting us ready for a new move of God. Now, I don't want to overemphasize this to the point that I'm promising that, you know, the midnight cry is going to happen and Christ is going to return by Christmas next year or anything like that. But I do know this, that my God and your God is always working and he has a plan and purpose for your life, for our church, the churches in London and Europe and across the world. And I know that there are times of refreshing that he is destined for every family and people of God and we are no exception. And this is the essential character, the essential quality of this new move of God, a manifestation of God's presence. And what that means is this, and I heard uh, um, Heidi, Heidi Baker prophesy this on YouTube. I heard uh, Randy Clark prophesy this recently. Gabriel and others and I, we were in um, Sunderland where Paul Kane came to prophesy uh, this, a prophecy that he had uh, way, way back. How many years ago? 30 years ago that he'd be alive in 2017 and Paul Kane's into his 80s. And that might not have happened, but it was the word of the Lord prophesied 2017 in an Elam context, and he will be ministering alive and well and ministering in the context of an outpouring of the Spirit. A 30-year prophecy for Elam churches and others that God had planned 30 years ago at least. I don't want to miss it. I don't want you to miss it. 
But what is it about? It's about the presence of God. I spoke to RT and RT said, what is this new move all about? And he, you know, he wanted a point, a sub point, sub point. Well, he, he's the Bible teacher. He can figure it all out. I'll just be the prophet for the time being. But I said, I don't know, RT, but I know God has got something. We're going to try and get Paul to come here early in the new year to share with us personally and bring other prophetic people so that something can be stirred up and triggered in our hearts and lives. Now is the time to get closer to Jesus than ever before. Now is the time to understand the greatest gift that you can give is your presence, and if you are a carrier of God's presence in your manifestation, as it were, in your going to people and shining, shining for Christ, you will be a carrier of the presence of God. When we have, in January, we're going to have our our um, January Vision Week. It's going to be about prayer and spiritual refreshing. Everybody together. No women's net, no men's net, no nets, nets. Everybody together. Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, and Saturday uh, in the morning. We are going to wait on God. We're going to worship God. We're going to pray. We're going to get filled and filled and filled and filled. And we're going to go out into 2018 and we're going to fulfill what is written here. What is written here? Verse 14. Do all things without grumbling or questioning. Now, in my, this is the anglicized version of the Bible, and there they've got the other one, questioning. And I don't think you'd ever say to somebody, do this without questioning. If Jesus spoke, you could do that, but we are to question things. But it means questioning and disputing. It's talking about this kind of argumentative spirit. So he says, no, that's not the spirit of Christ. So in other words, go with the flow and do things, don't be grumbling and discontented, that you may, verse 15, is it up on the screen? They could be doing this for you, but anyway, you got it written down for you in your, in your Bibles, yes? That you may be blameless and innocent children of God without blemish. Wow. Ha, ha, ha. Listen to that. A community that is blameless, innocent children of God without blemish. Where? In the midst. Everybody say midst. midst. It's hard to be a preacher, isn't it? Try it again. Midst. Okay. <laughs> In the midst of a crooked and twisted generation. In the midst. Meaning, we are, it goes on to say, the light of the world, we're in the midst of all this stuff that's happening in our generation, and there is a place where we can be in God, in God's presence, that we're not shut away from the world, but that we are so protected from the influences of the world that we become influencers as opposed to influenced. You know what happens you get influenza? You get influenced. But we go out as glory carriers, carriers of the presence of God, that he says, among whom you shine as lights in the world. NIV says, lights in the universe. This was the days before telescopes. The world is cosmos. It can mean the globe, planet Earth. Cosmos can mean the ordered system around us. But for us, as we know, it's this universe. When you look out in the universe and you see the sky and the stars, even the moon, 
moon. When I was in Brazil, I look at this every time. Northern hemisphere, southern hemisphere. You see the moon in one position. You go the other side of the earth in the southern hemisphere. You see it from the other side. It is awesome. You get that sense of the hugeness just of our own planetary system, let alone going beyond our planetary system, our solar system, to our galaxy, and beyond our galaxies to the other galaxies, and the other galaxies. Ah, it's just amazing. I'm blowing your mind. All right, okay, let's get, let's get back to this. Holy Spirit presence. And one of the things that Heidi Baker said was that this new move of God will be about and it will manifest in the streets, not just in church buildings, but what will happen is that the glory of God will come and come upon us and we will soak in the presence of God and we'll go out of here minding our own business, not realizing how powerfully God's spirit was on us and we will be shaking people by the hand, going down under the power of God, going into hospital and say, how are you? Get better. And they do. And you say, what about, how did that happen? Well, you told me and, and I obeyed it because the spirit of God is with you. When the spirit of God is on you, there's no limit to the power that can be demonstrated from your life. When the spirit of God is on you, there is no limit to the influence that you can have in a community that is dark and in need of the light of the world. And we are the light of the world. Let that blow your mind. Not you ought to be the light of the world. Not just Jesus is the light of the world. He said you are the light of the world. And if we don't shine, it stays dark. And when we shine, we've got to shine where it is needed. I got a little Advent candle, candle burning it down. And it is there in the kitchen, in a safe place. And I burn it with all the lights on. It's still nice to look at. But why put light where light already exists? Keep that light shining, but go to the dark places. And the Holy Spirit, with His presence and the light of His presence, wants to shine in the dark places of your heart, dark places of your mind, dark places of your soul, those places which are hurting and in need of healing, those places which are ignorant and in need of revelation and direction, those places that are weak and in need of power and anointing. But not just shining in you, but shining through you. Hallelujah.